Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson continues our series of messages on the Gospel according to Mark. Today, looking at Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And now, here's Dave. So good to see each and every one of you with us this morning. Welcome again. Congratulations, best Wishes to all sisters, moms, daughters of this BFA congregation. Uh, this is a very special day, so congratulations, moms. Uh, you have a special ministry to every one of us. We all have or had a mother. And Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother. You know, sometimes there are those who claim that the faith of the Old Testament is so Patriarchal, you know, patronizing, you know, that idea that it somehow deflates the role of, of our sisters and of our mothers. And this is, this is right there in the Ten Commandments. Honor your fathers and your mothers. By the way, they're not ten suggestions. They're ten commandments. Paul adds in his exposition of that a little footnote, which is also inspired. You know, when the footnotes you see that are made by the writers, that too is inspired of God. And he says, um, this is the first command with a promise. And what is the promise? Long life. What a great promise. Honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother. It's, uh, it's significant that we... Um, have a day to honor mothers. It wasn't always that way. And we have to thank Anna Jarvis in the year 1908 when she wanted to honor her deceased mother from West Virginia. And this was such a glowing success that she began a letter-writing campaign you know how long she worked on that campaign? From 1908 to 1914. It took a world war to get it done, but it came through. And in 1914, the president of the day, Woodrow Wilson, made it an official holiday. So, we have a holiday that was started in the U.S. as the second Sunday in May. And we Canadians like to do something that a lot of nations do. We see something good and we'll say, let's do it here as well. So, so this is a beautiful day. And what God has done is just wonderful for this day to honor our mothers. Mothers have great wisdom. Let me share with you mother's wisdom on getting children up in the morning. This is the wise mother's method of getting a sleepy child up in the morning. So whenever you are ready to get them up, just place a cat on the child's bed. You might be wondering how this helps, but you have to, first of all, let make sure that the child goes to sleep with the dog. <laughs> a second piece of mother wisdom on handling of dangerous bears. Have you had some bears in your backyards? Well, we've had them in our front yard. And... Uh, they seem to have a particular zero in for us. We parked our garbage in the garage. 
That didn't defeat the bear. He brought somebody else's garbage to our lot and opened it up in front of the house. I couldn't believe it. I said, boy, that's, that's one creative bear. Well, mother's wisdom on handling bear. A mother and her grade three daughter were walking along a park trail. Suddenly a bear emerged from the brush, making menacing sounds. Menacing sounds. The bear kept getting closer. Mother began to grunt. She growled. She barked repeatedly with loud dog barks. The bear turned in fear and ran quickly back into the forest, to which the mother replied to her child, Now you see why it's so important to learn foreign languages. <laughs> A motherly wisdom on communication. A wife and her husband were having difficulty conceiving a child, and after several repeated attempts, all were ending without success. Wife and husband were very discouraged. Let's try one more time, they said, and after a few weeks, they were both waiting with anticipation to discover if they would have a child. The wife told her husband one day she had heard a new joke she wanted to share with him. I've got some exciting news, she said. What did the mother 38 caliber bullet Say to the daddy, 38 caliber bullet. Husband was kind of confused by this. And he says, I don't know. I never heard a bullet talk. So what did it say? And the wife replied, we're going to have a BB. Well, enough of the lame humor. Uh, let's get to the word. <laughs> let's get to the word of God. And um, we're talking about uh, five sections in uh, Mark's gospel. And we start with verse 21 in Mark's Gospel. And Mark 5, verse 21, begins with this. And now, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. This passage in front of us reminds us that there are four main characters. I love that. Don't you just love it when the Bible just simplifies things down? Four characters. Jesus, Darius, the woman, and the eight-year-old daughter. So if you've got those four together, you can, you can pretty well figure out what's going on. Now, Mark, he loves to give us action sequences because his gospel is the gospel of the servant of Jesus, the servant of mankind, the great servant who died on the cross for us. And so he loves to show what the servant does. Jesus had just been on the other side of the lake and had brought deliverance and peace to that demonized man. Remember him? He had so many demons that they named themselves Legion. And the fact that 2,000 pigs fell down into the, the sea or the lake and were drowned seems to suggest that there were at least that many demons in the man. But at the end, I love the ending. You've got to read it straight through. The Bible is meant to be read and not stop halfway through. It says at the end, the man was clothed in his right mind and wanting to follow Jesus. Isn't that a picture of what happens when a person falls down and says, I'm ready. And Jesus says, be gone. And there is a deliverance that is unlike any kind of deliverance. And so the man was wanting to follow Jesus. Jesus says to the man, go back home. You want to be a missionary? You want to be a disciple? Go back home. I always say, you cannot be a missionary to your own family. Don't think you can be a missionary to Ethiopia, Libya, Pakistan, North Korea, communist China. Those are the hard places. But you know, every place is a hard place. Jesus, when he talked about the parable of the sower and the seed, 
There were four types of soils. Only one soil out of four receives the word to bring forth fruit. So if you're getting 25% response to the word of God, you're right in there. But more often than not, it's not nearly that. The world is a hard place and hearts are hard. And our prayer is that God will soften hearts during this time to bring about a great revival. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful to see what God can do? Because he did it before and he said, greater works than these we you will see, you will do. And so I'm, I'm hopeful it will be that generation for such a time as this. In Mark 5, we hear Jesus. And he's a man. He's a man. He's a servant. But he's more than that. Did you know that history, history records this by Josephus, who was writing around the year 70 A.D. He was considered the historian of his time. He was working as a Jew with the Romans during the time when they were invading Jerusalem. And this is what he says in Book 18, Chapter 3. There was a man, Jesus, a wise man. If it's lawful to call him a man, he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him many of the Jews, many of the Gentiles, He was the Christ. This is a historian speaking. If you, if you get somebody comes to you and says, hey, I know your Bible says he's the Christ. You can say, no, history says he was the Christ. By the way, look at your coin in your pocket. That date says Jesus came. That date tells you this is about history. This isn't about mythology. This isn't about fancy dreams. This is about the word of God, which says God spoke and the worlds were created. And so we have this one. Josephus says he was the Christ and Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, condemned him to the cross. Those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day. And as the divine prophets have foretold and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And these tribe of Christians, so named from him, are not extinct to this day. And praise God, there are Christians all over this world that have come from that death, that seed that was given. And the life that was given and creating new life for us. But not only this, not only does historical references speak of Jesus, but the New Testament teachings, particularly Mark, since we're looking at them. Mark 5, 7, the man said, what have I to do with you? Well, it was not the man, it was the demons. And this is what the demons said. Jesus, you son of the most high God. When Luke records the account in his gospel, Luke eight thirty nine, the same incident, and the man is ready to go back. This is what he says of Jesus. Jesus told him, return to your house and declare what great things God has done for you. And he went his way, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Did you catch that? Jesus says, go back and tell him what God has done. And he says, I know who God is now. Jesus has done this great thing for me. So beautiful verse, Luke eight thirty nine, Mark ten eighteen. Jesus said to the man when he asked him, what good thing, good master, what must I do? What did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? There's no one good. Save God. If you're going to call me good, you better call me God. 
And Mark 16, 19, the very end of Mark, by the way, all of Mark is inspired, not just those passages that are deleted in some translations, because those parts are missing in some of those Bibles that you have from verses 9 through 20, but it's all inspired. How do I know that? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. Matthew 24, verse 35. Yes, all God's word is inspired and it will not pass away. And so, in Mark 16, 19, So then the Lord Jesus, after he'd spoken to them, was received up in heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Look at it. Nowhere in your Bible do you ever find an angel or a being sitting down in the presence of God. Only God can sit down in the presence of God. And he does. Jesus sits down. God the Son. The God who is the Son. Jesus was a powerful healer and teacher. And I'm not going to spend too much time lest we overgo on the exhaustive uh, study of Mark, but Mark loves to talk about the crowds that followed Jesus. Mark 133, this, all the city was gathered. Mark 145, Jesus could no more openly enter the city. They came to him from everywhere. Mark 2.2, no more room, not even around the door. <laughs> That's a packed house. Oh, that God would give us a packed house. Not us as in we, but Jesus, a packed house. And Mark 3.32, a multitude sitting around him. Mark 3.7, a great multitude followed from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond Jordan, and even Tyre and Sidon. Amazingly, Gentiles, Jews, all coming to see this one Jesus. A great multitude gathered around. And that sets the stage for the story, the account that we are reading today. Because when he's gathering by these people, a great multitude gathered to him. He was by the sea. In verse 22, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jarius by name. Jarius, second character, who was a synagogue ruler. Well, first of all, what's a synagogue? Well, let's go back a little bit in history. So when the nation of Israel was taken away captive by the Babylonians, they were removed to Babylon and the city was destroyed. But you can take the person out of the city, but you can't take God out of the person. And that was what was going on. And they were collectively gathering together. And so they gathered together in various places to meet with one another during this time of exile. And the word synagogue became the common way of gathering. It's Greek word for gathering. And the synagogue was the most, one of the most important things that came out of the Babylonian exile. The spread of synagogues was clear all over Israel. And in fact, the, the basin around the Mediterranean, synagogues were poised, ready to receive the gospel of Jesus once the missionaries went out. And so there was a synagogue at Nazareth, Matthew 13, 4, 54, at Capernaum, in Jerusalem, several in Jerusalem, actually. And the building had, well, usually stone. They, they believe they have the Capernaum synagogue that originally existed when Jesus was there. And that you can go there and stand on those tiles and walk literally where Jesus walked. They had... a uh, sort of an ark. It was a, a movable ark. 
at the entrance of the synagogue. And there was the roles of the law and the prophets were kept in this. Chief seats of the rulers of the synagogue and learned men sat in front of it. And there was a bima. That was a platform from which the law was read called the judgment seat. Paul talks about this and so does Luke. Acts 18.12 says that Paul was brought before the judgment seat. It would be like a judge's seat in our judicial system. And Paul says that each believer will stand before the bima or the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, to be judged for the works in your body. So what you do with your life as a Christian really does make a difference. You only have one life. One of my dear friends said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what does done for Christ will last. And if you're wasting hours in frivolous activities and recreation that is going nowhere, well, wait a minute. No, that, I should be careful. Even the scripture says bodily exercise profits a little. So there's nothing wrong with exercise, but don't make it your sole focus or you're losing sight of why we were called. We were called to glorify God. And there's a world out there. And that message that is in the Matthew declaration, go out into all the world and make disciples of all, that goes for all of us. It doesn't just go for missionaries, because we're all called to be missionaries. So the elders, what were the people in the synagogue? Elders, rulers, servants, delegates, and interpreters, and even almoners. These were the people that collected for the poor. So there was a number of things. We can't go into too much detail to suggest this. When Jarius came, he was stooping low. He was stooping down. It says he came with humility. He saw him. He fell at his feet. That would be akin to the local mayor or a very high official, the archbishop of Canterbury or some very high official prostrating themselves in front of a, well, I guess you would call Jesus at that point in time. He would have been considered a bit of a rebel. He didn't come through the appropriate schools. He didn't come into the world the appropriate way. Born in a barn. You've heard that expression, you know. Shut the door. Well, you weren't born in the barn. Well, I know the one who was born in a barn. And he, he came in in the cold for us. Jesus was there for Jarius. He was approached with humility. He begged him much. These are not the actions of a proud man. You know, God is opposed to the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. So if we come before the Lord, we must come with all humility. And what does he say? He's not coming for himself so much as he's coming for his daughter. My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healthy and live. Well, we're not told the exact nature of the illness, but only that she was desperately ill. He was sure he, he would, she would die soon without immediate active intervention. And this man knew who to come to. He came to Jesus. Do we go first to Jesus when things are happening in our lives? We're called to pray without ceasing. And some people say, well, I'm, I'm always praying, so don't worry about that. I, I'm good. <laughs> no, no. We oftentimes... Are, are frantic about other people to come to our assistance. But let's remember, Jesus is the one we need to come to first. As he comes, we see that there's an interruption. Oh, that must have frustrated our friend Darius. 
Because Jesus was ready to go. He saw his plea and he was ready to come to help him. But he saw the plea of another person. And on this Mother's Day, it's wonderful that we can speak of two women and two men. And Jarius sits back and waits. As a certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and suffered many things. This is Mark 5, 25 to 29. And, well, she'd suffered many things by many physicians. And had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And having heard of the things concerning Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body, she was healed of her affliction. We can't imagine just how that woman must have felt. Her perpetual bleeding meant that she was perpetually unclean. We have no idea in our society what she had gone through for 12 whole years. Leviticus 15:19. if a woman has a discharge, she shall be impure for seven days. I shortened it down a bit there. But verse 25 says, if a woman has a perpetual discharge, she will be unclean all the days that this uncleanliness shall be upon her. She is unclean. This perpetual illness had cost her her friends, her family, her wealth, her social interaction. Her, she was a total outcast. In fact, almost like a leper. But she did not give up hope. Perhaps there's someone hearing these words today and they've, you have almost given up hope. You've said, no one can help me. We're here to say, Jesus can help. We're here to say, Jesus is your answer. And this woman was convinced that Jesus could make the difference. And what does she do? Well, she comes through the crowds, doesn't she? She comes through the crowds. She probably crawled through the crowds. And as the crowds realized who was coming through, they parted like the, like the, 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 the Jordan River. They parted like the, 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 the Red Sea. They parted because she was unclean. And if someone were to touch her, they would be unclean for seven days as well. So what happens? Well, she has touched the garments of the Lord. Nothing sacred about those garments other than this. She touched them with faith. And immediately perceiving in Mark 5, 30 to 34, that the power had gone out, he turned around and says, who touched my clothes? The disciples said, this, this, this is funny. I, I read this and I go... This has got to be inspired. It reads, it reads so accurately. Like Jesus asked, who touched my clothes? I can just see Peter. What do you think, Lord? They're, they're like, this is the, this is the biggest crowd we've ever seen. And you ask, who touched you? We've been touched all the way. Uh, I get jostled. You got jostled. Andrew gets jostled. We're all getting jostled here. And he says, no. He looks around and sees her who had done this thing. How did he know it was her? Because he's God. He always sees what's going on. You know, we act like, oh, I can get away with this because nobody sees me. I'm here to tell you, there's always somebody watching you and his name is Jesus. So let's not use that excuse. Oh, I, I can do this here because I'm in a quiet zone. No, no, he sees. And he looked. He saw her. 
And the woman came, fearing and trembling, knowing what had been done to her. And she came and she fell down before him. And she told him all the truth. Now, I don't know how long she talked. Mark doesn't record it. But I could just see Jarius over here on the side going, hmm. She started, let me see, she said it was 12 years. She's only up to year three now. Um, I'm hoping she gets going on this story. But it's it's really a nice story. But I've got a daughter who's at the point of death. And he, he, she came and told him all these things. And daughter, he says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know, you can only... When Jesus says a person go in peace, it's supported by the Scriptures. The only peace we could ever receive is when our sins are forgiven. Because the greater... Greater miracle was not that she was healed of that flow of blood, but that she was healed by a flow of blood that would happen on the cross. And she was healed in a way that Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so, Jesus insists that she be identified before she leaves. This is a very important point. Very important point because this account suggests that there's no such thing as a secret disciple. Now, you're going to argue with me on that one because you're going to say, well, what about Joseph of Arimathea? Wasn't he a secret disciple? John 19:38? Yes, he was. But he didn't stay that way. And if you have trusted the Lord Jesus, do not be ashamed of him. The Lord Jesus himself says, do not be ashamed of me and my words, Mark 8, 38. Whoso confesses me before man, him will I also confess before my Father in heaven, Matthew 10, 32. We need to be comfortable sharing the love of God. Even if it's just a God bless you. You know, goodbye means God bless you. That's what it means. So when you're leaving somebody, you have the right in our society to say, God bless you. And if they say, what did you just mean by that? I say, well, that's just the, the extended version of what it means to say goodbye. Because it's been changed to kind of watered down in our society today. So Mark 5, verses 35 to 38, we have the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue ruler's house came saying, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Oh, don't you just love it when people bring bad news? <laughs> Oh, my. They hurry down to stop with the bothering them, the master. <clears throat> Not going to do any good now. She's gone. This must have hit your eyes like a ton of bricks. Imagine going with Jesus, thinking you've just gotten him in time, being interrupted, still feeling that there could be some miracle go on here. His face must have fallen. And Jesus, hearing the message spoken, says to the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, only believe. What a powerful motto for us in this day and age. When wars and rumors of wars, when fears are encircling the globe, let us not be afraid, but let us believe in the Lord Jesus. He does, Jesus does something here that is quite significant. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 37, he says, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and came to the synagogue ruler's house. What does that suggest? That the entire crowd was kept back from this walk 
to the synagogue ruler's house. He would have needed those nine. Perhaps there were other people that needed healing. They had the authority to heal at that time and they were going to do such things. But when Jesus heard this message, he reminds Darius not to be afraid and comes to the synagogue's ruler's house where he sees an uproar, weeping and great wailing. Wow. If it wasn't bad enough that he got the word from the servants, but now the professional paid mourners are already there. Yeah, that's what they used to do. If you didn't have enough people crying, you had people, you paid them. They were paid mourners. And they would come in and wail and cry and beat their chests and and uh, do this for hours on end. Boy, you'd have to have, to have a pretty good uh, rehydration plan to do that. So, what do you do when life throws a curve at you? How do you respond when it doesn't go according to plan? Well, when he entered in, he said to them, Why do you make such an uproar and weep? The child's not dead, but is asleep. And they ridiculed him. They ridiculed Jesus. And he, having put them all out, and I love the diplomacy of Mark here. But let me share with you something. This word put out, ekbalo is the Greek. It means throw out. It means ek, out of, balo, throw. And it's the same word that was used when Jesus cleansed the temple. This was no, uh, could you just kind of you know, back off a bit here. Uh-uh. I believe the Lord exercises divine prerogative at that moment. And they said, we're not dealing with this guy. He's, he's a crazy man. And they just got out of there. Yes. And he took the father of the child, mother, and those who were with them and went inside to where the child was lying. And taking the child by the hand, he said, Talitha, come in. Which means, little girl, I tell you, get up. Immediately. There's no 24-hour waiting period. It was immediate. Miracles in the Bible are miracles. Miracles today are miracles. The girl rose up. She walked. She was 12 years old. And they were amazed with great amazement. And he strictly ordered them that no one should know this. What? You don't see that today when there's a miracle. Don't say anything. Keep it down. We don't want to draw attention here. No. When there's miracles today, boy, the old, the old photographers brought in and all the other things happen and boy, oh boy, there's, there's a publicity like publicity goes. No. He's more concerned about the family. Can you imagine what it would have been like? Do you have the, the daughter that was dead? We've got to go talk to her. We want to find out what it was like to have died and come back. You know? You know, the, the local, uh, Paparazzi would be there and they'd be taking notes and they'd be drawing their sketches of the little girl. And uh, you can just imagine how, how he's protecting the family. And he also protects her because he says, oh, by the way, she's going to be hungry. You better give her something to eat. The mourners were on the outside and so were many of the people that saw the previous miracle of the woman that was healed. In this miracle... There were those who came in and there were those who were on the outside. And such is life. Some of you are on the inside with Jesus. Some of you may not be with Jesus right now. 
When there was an ark being built by Noah in Genesis, and the ark was getting ready, there were only eight who went inside. Eight humans went inside. The remaining population drowned in the flood. It wasn't exactly as, as our nursery rhymes and our picture books show. Are you in the ark with Noah? Or are you on the outside of that door? Because it was God who shut the door. When the people in Egypt were waiting for that first Passover, they sprinkled blood on the door to represent the Passover lamb that would save them from the angel of death. Only those inside the house, only those inside underneath the blood were saved. Are you inside the house or outside dying? And finally, in this generation, we have the privilege to surrender our hearts, our wills, our bodies, our lives to the Lord Jesus. Is Jesus in your life? Or is he merely in your religion? Something to think about. As we celebrate this Mother's Day, there may be mothers who have said, I'm very happy that I'm now a grandmother. And there are mothers who are saying, I'm just waiting for the moment when I can have a decent sleep. I remember those days well. But remember this. God says it's good to bear the burdens in your youth. And so, God will give you strength. Younger mothers, younger fathers, God will give you health to make it through. And for those of us who are older, we want to just encourage you that there is light on the other side of parenting. And that it is as good as the light that you're enjoying right now or better. And so, in all due respect, thank you for your attention today. I just want to leave you with a couple of quick thoughts. Number one, we've looked at the man Jesus and the man Jairus. Jesus the answer, Jairus like us coming to Jesus. We've looked at the woman who had been afflicted for 12 years. She suffered lengthily. And she came to Jesus. Maybe you need to come to Jesus today. Male or female, doesn't matter. And the woman that was such a little girl and very tender. Isn't that wonderful that God has a heart for all, all ages. He loves the little children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. We all have to stay like little children. May God bless you. And thank you again for your kind attention this morning. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for today. We're grateful for the time we could spend together. Praising you and learning more about you. We would ask as we leave this building that we would um, think about the things that we've been singing of or listening to. And may we um, just be formed into a person that looks more like Jesus day by day. We would ask that you would just bless the mothers this morning. And throughout the day, and uh, may we continually look to you for our example of perfect love. I pray these things in your name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.